This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome into Kansas Talk here on a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for the day. Welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. I heard we're supposed to be like mid-60 degrees, higher 60 degrees today, maybe almost 70 by like tomorrow. Where the heck did that cold front go? (laughs) Maybe the calm before the storm. I don't know. Welcome into the program. We got a lot to get to today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we would love to hear from you today. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, we have the announcement from Governor Laura Kelly about her stance on mandated vaccines. OSHA has officially released their recommendations that are going to start taking uh, recommendations that are going to start taking place in January for businesses over 100 employees. What's that going to do to the state of Kansas and how can we fight that one? We'll talk about that a little bit. Plus, we had an election this week that we'll recap in a little bit as well. Because, you know, kind of important. We made some big grounds. Big grounds. Now, what do we do with that and what can we do to move forward? So we'll cover all that and more coming up on the program today here on Candace Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. Thanks for joining us today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Coming up on the program, bottom of the hour, we have Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. He'll be joining to talk about the legal fight on vaccine mandates and on critical race theory. So we'll look forward to chatting with him in just a little bit. At the top of next hour, Connie Newcomb. She is the uh, head of the Kansans for Health Freedom. A couple weeks ago, if you remember, I was up in Topeka and hosted a big, uh, like a seven, eight-hour rally up at the uh, state capitol on health freedom trying to fight the vaccine mandates. So we'll have her come on as now the Pfizer vaccine has been approved for children 5 to 12 years old. 11. 11? Is that 11 years old? Yeah. Why? I don't know. They don't get sick from COVID, but now apparently we're going to start pushing kids to get this vaccine. What's that going to do to the schools? Are we going to start mandating it in schools? And what do we do with that? So we'll talk with Connie Newcomb with Kansans for Health Freedom coming up in our number two. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your buying, selling, and trading of gold and silver with honesty and integrity, you can find them online at philscoins.com. They're also opening up here in just about 20 minutes. And the man himself... In here, ready to go before they open up, Mr. Phil Martinez. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. Yeah, it was. I can't believe we're already in November already, wrapping up the year. Where did the year go? Where did the year go? Yeah. Where did, I, I thought last year was fast with the whole panic and closing down and waiting for something to happen with COVID. This year, now that we like half opened up, I think it's gone a little bit faster because now we're trying to play catch up from everything from last year. Yeah, well, half we're we're way above half, and I mean, I'm sorry, but most people don't take this thing real serious. So, yeah, well, we're getting I, to the point now. I don't think people really care much about the COVID stuff. They just want to get back to normal. They've heard, they, yeah, they've heard so much about all this crap, and there's so many different opinions out there, and and uh, you know, so I I listen to my people in the shop and what they say, and yeah, and uh, I'm you know, some of them have had shots, and some of them haven't, and some of them ain't going to, and. And uh, I've got people coming in from Spirit and Cessna, and uh, they're taking early retirement. They're you know, they're they're going to quit. They're going to you know they they're wow you know it's and you know the bad thing like Spirit Spirit's having workshops hire people now and they can't keep enough people working now and think about you know they they're 
production is down right. because of the, the plane that they grounded, and they've already got, got like another 100 planes built, basically. So when this all takes off, they're going to need all the help, all the people they can get, and they're going to get, and, and they're going, you know, they're not going to fight this. You know, the I talked to a guy from the union, and he says we were talking. I said, well, the post office got exempt. Yeah. Post office don't have to have shots. Oh God! Now I got to go look something else up, and then I told him <laughs> something else. I mean, there was a rally on the other side of town at one of the hospitals, and mm-hmm. and uh, our local news naturally didn't cover it. Of course, and uh, but uh, a bus from FEMA pulled in with FEMA people on it, doctors and nurses, and they sent in nurses and doctors to replace those that wasn't working. Wow. The FEMA employees do not have to have the shot, but the people that they're replacing has to have the shot. That's so that, that makes no sense to me. I mean, the government's doing, you know, the, if, you're, if you're with the government, you don't have to have the shot, but if you're not with the government, you got to get the shot. I mean, this isn't right. Well, I find it interesting that, you know, they're almost wanting to replace the workforce, getting rid of the private sector, getting rid of private workers, nurses and doctors that are stepping away, saying, I don't want the vaccine for personal choice because, heaven forbid, you have personal choice. Yeah. Uh, so they step away. And then the government so easily is just able to slide in a government contracted person through a FEMA to come in and take over. Uh, they're, they're replacing the private sector with public sector jobs now. And whether that's going to be permanent or a long-term thing, I don't know. I don't know if they can sustain it that way. But... To them, I'm sure that they're pretty giddy about being able to make this more of a public contract job instead of a private sector job. Well, that's concerning. All, all I know is anytime the government sticks your finger in anything, they mess it up. They always mess it up. I mean, the government the government isn't smart enough to rub two lollipops together. Yeah. Uh, well, that is very Without true. causing a fire. <laughs> it blows up somehow. There you go. They always find a way to do it. I mean, I, I kind of already know your answer to this one, but you had mentioned that in your own shop that some of your employees have the vaccine, some of them do not. Are you considering any type of mandate to get your employees vaccinated before they come to work? Where did you you get this stupid idea that any of my employees have had the shot? Uh, Well, I don't know. I I don't know if some of them have chosen to Uh, or if they have health needs to get it or, you know, you never know. Nobody in my my shop has had the shot. Okay. And now maybe the older gentleman that kind of just retired may have had the shot. Sure. But other than that, nobody's had the shot. Nobody's going to get the shot. Uh, Isn't it weird to try and... I mean, we've had one de- one death in the entire two years of the of the COVID pandemic right now. We've had one child in the state of Kansas under the age of, uh, really the age of 18. We've had one kid die throughout the entire pandemic. Why is it such a push now to try and vaccinate kids 5 to 11? I don't know, but, you know, they, I mean, if you got, I mean, look, look at Florida. Yeah. Florida's got one of the lowest per capita states with shots. Yeah, and they were but, one of but, the first ones to get rid of the requirements. Right, but yeah. their but their COVID rates are are the lowest in the country. Yeah, and then you take and you take states where they've got high rates where everybody's had their shot, and their COVID rates are up. I mean, depending on what you read, and I know I've got some people that they read a, a lot in the shop, and I get a lot of different opinions. But technically, you know, once you've had the shot, you're actually spreading the the virus, and so I mean, you know, it's, this is why a lot of people won't take the shot. Well, yeah, I mean, what they don't tell you is that you can still get the virus, you can still spread the virus with the vaccine. Yes. I mean, I just went to, I'm still recovering from, I went to a concert a couple days ago up in Lawrence and drove up there. Luckily, they didn't make us actually show a negative test or get the vaccine to walk into the venue. They just just made us wear masks, 
wear masks. I essentially walked through the door in the screening with my mask on, then took it off for the rest of the concert. There you, there you go. And just about everybody else did there as well. Yeah. But their protocol was that you wear the mask unless you're actually drinking a beverage. Yeah. Which I find, again, very interesting because there are, uh, but I give them credit because they just made it a blanket. Yeah. you know, quote-unquote protocol, as opposed to what we're starting to see now with, like, the OSHA requirements that we'll talk about later on in the show in more detail. But they're essential. Their requirements are for the businesses with 100 employees or more. If you don't get the vaccine, you need to get a weekly test, and you need to wear a mask if you haven't been vaccinated, which I find interesting because you can still spread it if you have the vaccine. So why are only the non-vaccinated people being forced to wear a mask? It doesn't make oh, any sense. If you, if, you look at, if you look at the reports coming out of Great Britain, uh, 85% of the people dying in Great Britain have had both shots. Right. And somebody and said, the booster. And, and, and somebody said that the numbers in this country are basically almost as high, like 75 or 80% of the people dying from COVID actually have had both shots. Yeah. So technically you're more apt to die with the shots than you are without the shots, <laughs> but they want to give you the shot. I, I heard a stat that uh, individuals hospitalized with the vaccine is like a 0.01%, so pretty low. People that are hospitalized without the COVID nineteen vaccine was like a 0.8 percent, yeah. still below one percent. I mean, it's yeah. it, the numbers are so small, and yet the national public opinion, when you do a survey, uh, according to a lot of people on the other side of the political aisle, think that near 50 percent of unvaccinated people are going to the hospital because they get COVID because it's been so blown out of proportion this entire time. Well, I mean, okay, what are we seeing now? You know, get your flu shot, get your flu shot. Well, there was no flu last year. Yeah. Now, how come all of a sudden we got, you know, we the year before we lose a whole, we lose 250,000 people to flu, and then last year we didn't lose anybody to, I, I think I saw the numbers, it was like 7 or 8 or 18, something yeah, like that, to something the flu. ridiculous. And, uh, and then now this year it's everybody get the flu shot. And, you know, all I can tell people, and this is what I truly believe, and if I upset you, I'm sorry, but uh, the, COVID, the COVID shot comes in a little vial. And the flu vaccine comes in a little vial, and so you know. So who's to say that they're giving, who's to, they can't get you, they can't get you to go in and get it any other way? They push the flu, and who's to say that you're actually getting a flu vaccine versus a COVID vaccine? Because technically, they're almost the same vaccine. Yeah, you really don't know what you're getting. It's crazy. Uh, to relate this to gold and silver and, <laughs> and to the markets here, uh, because I know that's what uh, I do want to touch on that here before we run out of time this half hour. But what is this going to do to the economy? If we start implementing this OSHA mandate, we already had the federal mandate for federal employees, which unfortunately has trickled down to federal contractors as well. So it's already hitting the aviation industry. Yep. It's already hitting the healthcare industry. It's already hitting you know all these other places. Uh, but what would the, what is this going to do for the general economy once OSHA takes effect and we start going after all these private companies? Are we going to see the inflation, see businesses shut down like they what, like we've already started to see? Well, you know, you can't spend what you don't have. No, I mean I am sorry, but you know, but technically the government wants everybody dependent on the government. So guess who's going to be dependent on the government? But at the same time, they're telling you that if you you, you don't take the shot and you lose your job. You're not eligible for unemployment. But yet I know a guy that runs a business and they're coming in, they're coming in and going to work for him and working a day, two days, three days, maybe a week quit and go down. And because of all this COVID stuff, they're eligible for unemployment immediately, even though they didn't work six months. And so as soon as their unemployment runs out, they go to work somewhere else for a day, two days, three days a week. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to get COVID, la, 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 la. They go down, apply for unemployment again. So 
technically the government. Why do you think you're trying to get two trillion dollars for socials? Yeah. Just pay pay all the people. They want you on the government payroll, and once you become the government payroll, then technically, you know, it's I own I own my soul to the company store. <laughs> it's the old song. That's the way yeah. it's going to be. There is a positive and a silver lining here that I think, and I've talked a little bit about it, is I think a lot of individuals are not going to deal with the COVID mandates. Whether they've gotten vaccinated or not, it's about just the fact that the company is telling you in order for you to work here, you must do this, that I think is not going to go well for a lot of people. I think they're going to become private contractors. People are going to start working on their own, go off on their own, work from home, and then just become not an employee of a company, but a private contractor for a company that lessens the the tax burdens that we're starting to see come out of the federal government as well. And you're not technically working for them. So you get to make your own policy as a private, uh, private business. That's a good point. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to try and start doing this. Why not? Yeah. But unfortunately, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, you, you, you get laid off from spirit or spirit lets you go, or you leave spirit and you're going to go and you're going to go home and, you're going to build fuselages from your living room and yeah. going to work. I'm yeah. sorry. They've got to have somebody sure. build the fuselages. There's too much hands-on material. Sure. You know, I've, I worked in aircraft for years and I was a machinist for years. And then I went and did sheet metal for Cessna. Yeah. Uh, that is hard on the assembly line. The, the manufacturing part's going to be the biggest hit. I wonder if companies could do little split companies within their corporate and actually make it an individual business where it's less than a hundred employees to get out of that mandate. Well, I'm, I'm telling people that, you know, if I was a business owner and I had 108 employees, I'd get rid of nine Yeah. and I'd go down to 99 Yep. so that I didn't have to mandate it to my people's because my people's, you know, I'm big. I have a right to say what I say and what I believe and what I think. And everybody else has a right to believe and say what they think. Yep. Now I don't have to agree with them and they don't have to agree with me. Now I would fight to protect anybody else's rights to, even though they don't believe it, they can, they can say whatever they want to say. And when you start mandating the government, especially when the government starts mandating that you got to do this and you got to do that, this is just the first step. Yeah. I mean, it's like I listened to one of the guys at uh, Boeing that they were interviewing. He goes, well, but if the government mandates this and we do this, where do the mandates end? You know, where, where, does, all, where does all of this stop? I mean, you know, next, next time you're going to have to have this shot, and next time you're going to have to have this, and next thing you know, you're going to be paying this much taxes. I mean, they're telling you that all this stuff's, a lot of these bills and stuff are going to be paid for by the, the rich and the big corporations. The rich and the big corporations will leave this country. There will be, you know, if you've all seen that little joke about the 10 guys that go to the bar and the one guy's paying for seven drinks based on his ability to pay, yep. uh, when he leaves, people that didn't have to buy anything are having to pay for it. And, and they have no they have no idea what, the rich the talk, Yeah, Trump. I saw Trump on TV four years before he ever ran for president, maybe even five. And they were talking to him about taxes. And he said, well, taxes get any, any higher above a certain percentage. I, I will move to another country. Uh, I can go to any country in the world, negotiate my own tax structure. Yep. And live there. And I'm a citizen, so they can't stop me from living in the United States. I'll make my money in the United States, and I'll take it to... Uh, Brazil or Peru or wherever I want to go. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, every, every time that they've tried to raise taxes on the wealthy, New York tried it. New York was going to raise the taxes on the wealthy. They were going to pick up a hundred million dollars in taxes. They all moved to Florida, they all moved. They lost a hundred million dollars in taxes. So they're getting, so they, they're worse off than they were. Uh, Indiana, Indiana tried the same thing. The governor didn't want Congress, uh, House Senate wanted to 
raise taxes. They raised it on business. They just moved across the river to Illinois and took the old buildings that were in rust and ruins down there and, and revamped them, built them up, moved their business across across the river, and now they're in Illinois. And they and they lost $50 million in taxes. So yeah. every time you raise taxes, unless you raise taxes on everybody, everywhere at the same level, and I, Which I'm is what sorry, they're trying to do. Look, look at look at the rich that we've got that's living in Europe now, France and Italy and and and, and places like that. I mean, the the, the rich are already living there because they because they, they got cheaper tax structure. Yeah. Well, just push a few more of these people out, but your taxes are going to go up. And when there's nobody paying taxes, you people that aren't paying taxes, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Maybe you're not going to pay any taxes, but your kids are, your grandkids are, your great grandkids are. It'll never end. If you guys believe there's anything in this world free, you need to Got rethink, another thing you need, coming. You need to you need to rethink your strategy. Yeah, the quote unquote elites, rich people, whatever, they already pay more than their fair share, and yes. that's what they're trying to push. They're trying to push a new minimum global tax, so that way, no matter where you go, you still have to pay that certain amount to try and disincentivize that. Because you can't just encourage people to stay with good tax rates; you have to punish them wherever they go. So that's, of course, their mentality. And it's a little ridiculous. Take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about the gold and silver market and how that's going to be affected by inflation rates. We're already 5% up a year over year. We're hearing some that say it could go up 5% again for the next couple months until the end of the year. We'll see if that happens or not. And that'll get into the consumer spending for the holiday season as well. All that and more on Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Back into the program, 26 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today on Saturday. Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. We will have some time for you for some open lines. I want to get your thoughts. Did you show up to the elections this last week? It was an off-season, so many people forgot. But I got a lot of messages from people asking about, hey, uh, the school board candidates, who are they? Who did you have on the show? Who do you like? What do they stand for? So we'll get into that here in just a little bit because we did <laughs> we did really good. So we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Still hanging out with us here for a few more minutes before the bottom of the hour. Chris Kobach right around the corner as well. Let's talk about the economy for a second. 5% inflation year over year. We have gas that's skyrocketing. We have, I heard in California, milk is like $7 a gallon. If you can imagine that, that is unbelievable. We have a massive reconciliation spending bill still trying to be rammed through at the federal level. We have social programs trying to be expanded. We have a quote unquote infrastructure bill with the Green New Deal, global, whatever, climate change, environmental initiative, whatever going on in there as well. There are some experts that think that inflation could rise another 5% month over month between now and the end of the year which means we could see between this time and what we saw this time last year, we could see up to a near 10 to 15% inflation rate. Never seen that before. I mean, this is like Jimmy Carter era all over again in the 1970s. Carter was smarter than Biden. <laughs> and I thought and I thought he was the worst president. And then, and then Obama come in, and Obama was the worst president in the history Took of the United States. Took that crown for a States. while. And he, even looks, and he even makes Biden look like an idiot. So, yeah. I mean, you know. Well, yeah. We got just about two minutes before we have to wrap up here. But talk, what is this going to do to the gold and silver market? Will prices of gold and silver rise? And will there be a higher demand of people going and buying this because of this massive weird inflation rate right now? You cannot believe the business we're doing. I can only imagine. I'm almost completely out of silver. 
Uh, I carry I carry basically a million dollar inventory. I've got almost a million dollars worth of material on order. I actually had to borrow some silver from me. Wow. And loan it to the company to have silver for my customers. Wow. But it, it, it you've never seen anything like this. I mean, you know, it's I've got twenty almost twenty seven thousand ounces of silver on order. Uh, I've got almost uh, almost a hundred ounces of gold on order. We still have gold and we still have silver, but it's it's getting pretty thin. I had somebody walk out the other day because they couldn't pay for it and walk out with it. Mm. They weren't going to pay for it and wait. And I got a guy come in the other day, and he actually waited for his. And I got some silver in yesterday, and I've already called him, telling him to come pick his silver up. But uh, you're yeah. one of the only guys that actually still has silver on hand, don't you? I mean, everybody uh, else they run pretty dry. It's hard for it, you've been pretty consistent because you've been planning for this. But there's a lot of shops that just don't have any. Well, normally we're the largest bullion dealer in Kansas. I I carry more silver than all the coin shops in Kansas put together. Sure. I mean, I literally bet money on <laughs> bet money on that. Yeah. But you know, some guy come in the other day and he walks in the door and he looks around. And he goes, "So you got any silver? Yep. Yep. You have silver. I've been looking for three months for silver in Wichita. There wow. is none. How do you have it? We have it. We have it. So he bought silver before he left. He called his friend. So he come in, called another girl. She came in. Hell, I, I picked up nine new customers when one of them found out we actually had silver because they've been looking for three yeah. months. Can't find any. It's a crazy market. It is. But if you need it, that's the place to get it. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, opening up in just a couple of minutes from now. Phil, always good to talk to you, my friend. Take care. Be safe. Be blessed. We'll All do, of you be blessed. We'll do it again here in a couple of weeks. Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. Talk with him right around the corner after the bottom of the hour break. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. 35 minutes past the hour here on a Saturday morning. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Great to have you along for the ride. Love being able to kick off your Saturday morning like we do every single week. It's been a fun last couple of weeks. Welcome in 316-721-8255. 316-721-Talk. Thanks again to Phil Martinez coming on the program. Phil's Coins. They are officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at Phil'sCoins.com. And I'm telling you. That market is insane trying to get silver right now because of the inflation. 5% inflation year over year. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. By the way, uh, a part of my voice still recovering. Still recovering. I screamed a little too much at the concert on Thursday. What can I say? Sorry, it gives me a little more bass. How you doing this morning? Let's get you going. 316-728-255. Got a lot to get to. So... Our next guest, really excited to have him on the program. It's been a while since we've chatted with him. A couple things we're going to talk about, uh, not only with the critical race theory that's going on and the spread of CTR across the nation in our public education system, which we will get into the recap of our elections that we had across the state and here at USD 259 in the Wichita area. Well done to our candidates. It was a major election. It was a big win for us. We'll talk about moving forward with that one. But it's still a concern we need to work on fighting both at the local level within our school districts and statewide and nation wide to try and get rid of this garbage at the same time it was really good to see this guy up at the rally a couple weeks ago as well in Topeka as you know we got to host the Kansans for Freedom uh, Health Freedom Rally trying to stop vaccine mandates and some really interesting information came out of that one while a lot of people were testifying with the state legislative committee on health freedom and trying to fight these vaccine mandates and now that OSHA has come out with their guidelines and mandates on what they're going to do to start implementing in January for all companies, 100 employees or more. What can we do to fight this? And we'll hold up in court. 
to talk about some of that and a heck of a lot more. Super excited to have on former uh, Kansas Secretary of State, candidate for Kansas Attorney General, Mr. Chris, uh, Chris Kobach with us here. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm all right. Great to be with you, Andy. Oh, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. It was First off, it was great to see you up at the rally on Saturday. A lot of things have progressed since then. But, uh, I mean, I've, I've never done a seven, eight-hour rally before. And with all the committee hearings, there were so many people wanting to talk. I have a feeling this is kind of the major issue a lot of people are paying attention to right now. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, you know, this. you mentioned the need to, uh, you know, fight back against this vaccine mandate, which is just something extraordinary. Never before has the federal government of the United States of America in our nation's history told Americans they have to inject something into their body they do not choose to. You know, people are certainly free to, and no one would, would object to that, but the, the government uh, telling us what we have to, what medical treatments we have to take is unconstitutional. Uh, as, an, as an attorney, uh, not only have I been you know, speaking to rallies and informing people of their rights, but I'm also at work right now uh, on a case that will be filed within the next week. You're the first uh, news outlet to hear that, but uh, challenging the OSHA mandates uh, on behalf of private employers. It is extraordinary, this abuse of power that we are seeing uh, by the Biden administration. I've never seen anything like this before, and I'm glad that we're going to be the first ones not only to break the news, but actually one of the first states to actually go after this stuff. Do you think that these OSHA laws can hold up in court? No, I don't. I mean, it's, I don't think it's uh, going to be even close. Um, the and, and the reason is the 2013, 2012 or 2013 decision in NFIB versus Sebelius. That was the Obamacare case. And in that case, uh, Chief Justice Roberts said that under no circumstances can the commerce power of the federal government, can it be used to force someone to purchase something they do not want? And by extension, uh, getting a vaccine is like purchasing something you do not want. You, you, your purchase is subsidized because the federal government is paying for the vaccine for you. But it is nonetheless a, a transaction where you uh, agree to take something from the pharmacy or other health care provider and, uh, and and the feds pay for it for you. So that we, we already have very strong precedents uh, from the United States Supreme Court saying that the federal government just doesn't have this power. We, we choose those who choose not to uh, get the vaccine are choosing to remain outside of the commerce in the COVID vaccine. And therefore, the federal government cannot regulate them. This is black letter law. That's really good news. Now, OSHA is trying to come out and call it the emergency temporary standard, and they're coming out and saying that any business over 100 employees that chooses not to enforce this are going to see fines anywhere between $13,000 to $136,000 into the federal government. Uh, I guess the next question is the battle against the government. Is it the states that are going to fight this, or do you think businesses are just going to not comply with this when it actually comes out? Um, I think both of those will happen, and I think there will be others as well. So the uh, lawsuit that I will be bringing is on behalf of private businesses. You will see um, one or more lawsuits brought by states. They haven't been out yet. You've seen some states bring lawsuits uh, against the mandate on federal contractors. That's the one where Kansas signed along to a suit that's being filed by another state. Um, but we will probably see some states also challenge the OSHA regulation on all employers above with 100 or more employees. Um, so you'll see those lawsuits by the state. You'll see private lawsuits like the one I'm involved in. You'll see, as you mentioned, uh, private entities, employers, and employees simply not complying with it. Um, and you will probably see things like, you know, uh, work stoppages or you know things things like people in various industries 
you know, saying, okay, we're not coming to work today or we're not going to do this or that today to make a point uh, to Congress and to uh, OSHA that, you know, this, this cannot be tolerated. Yeah. It's a, it's a battle that I think we're going to have to have. I'm glad we're having, and I, I'm with you. I hope it falls, and I think it will fall. It's just crazy. Right now we have uh, the aviation industry here in the Wichita area being so affected just because of the federal employee mandate that's branched out to federal contractors as well. I don't know how long that one's going to last as well, but, I mean, that one's already started. We're already starting to see the repercussions from that mandate. This one's going to take it to an entirely new level. Yeah, and, and I think anyone, uh, you know, who's an employee of Textron, uh, and who's feeling the pressure uh, to to submit to whatever uh, rule they they is being imposed on them and and, and for, take a vaccine they don't want to take? They should certainly point out uh, that look, this is a this is a contested matter in court. Uh, the federal contractor's mandate should not be enforced by anyone until uh, the courts have ruled on this. Um, you know, the, the fact that these lawsuits are out there uh, is it, it's a lifeboat that that we should be clinging to uh, and saying, look. Nothing, nothing's going to happen yet because the courts have yet to decide. And we know the Biden administration uh, is going way beyond its constitutional authority. Yeah. Last question on this before we move on. But do you recommend for people that are in this situation, that are in this quandary of what do I do? Do I walk away? Do I get the vaccine? Do I fight this? What do you recommend that they do? Do you recommend that they quit their job and walk away from it? Or do you recommend that they try and hold on as long as possible, have the company walk them out the door and then be able to use that for the litigation down the road? Yeah, I would recommend in most situations, again, you know, like this is not legal advice because we're talking generalities here, but in most situations, you're probably better off uh, not quitting. You're, you're better off forcing the employer. Uh, you know, again, I would suggest that anyone in these situations, in these various contexts, whether it be working for a federal contractor or working for an employer of over 100 people, you know, point out that this is that the the rule that is being enforced is being challenged in court right now is of dubious constitutionality. Ask the employer for more time. Uh, simply awaiting a period. Something that anyone should should be able to ask for, and any decent employer should be willing to give. Sure. I love it. Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. Let's shift gears a little bit here and let's talk about critical race theory because I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while as well because I know you've been working on some litigation on that. We had uh, uh, Patrick Penn, state representative, on a few weeks ago to talk about uh, critical race theory and his presentation, which was astounding. I mean, the depth, the in-depth uh, research that he's done on that was phenomenal. But as many school boards are starting to fight back here at USD 259 in Wichita, we had some really great conservative candidates win this week in, in their elections to try and start changing the dynamic of some of this. A lot of parents are completely fired up and showing up to school board meetings, not only to fight mask mandates and vaccine garbage, but also to fight this critical race theory. What can we do as a state to try and prevent this from really coming into public schools? Uh, great, great question. So uh, as it happens, I have drafted a bill that Patrick Penn is going to be running in the legislature. He has become a real champion and a, a great person to lead the charge on this cause. And uh, he will have a bill that will prohibit any Kansas uh, public education institution uh, or even a public entity that's not at education, some, you know, like an agency forcing uh, its employees to get critical race uh, theory training. Um, it's a sweeping bill. It's absolutely what we need to protect uh, our students, our children, as well as other people from being forced to, um, you know, be, be steeped in this racist ideology of critical race theory, which, you know, of course, teaches that some races are better than others. Some are guilty. Some are not guilty. Some are oppressors. Some are oppressed, et cetera. Um, we absolutely have to have our legislature move on this. I think that there's a good chance we can uh, get it passed. 
The question, you know, I, I think it's highly likely that Governor Kelly would veto it. And so the question is, can we get two thirds? And that's where mm-hmm. programs like yours and uh, people like those listening to this show uh, can be really effective by, you know, by putting some pressure on legislators and saying, you know, you absolutely need to vote for this bill to stop critical race theory in Kansas and, and, and hopefully uh, have enough votes to override any veto. I really hope we would. I mean, we have a Republican majority, a supermajority in both chambers. If we could just get the actual party to unite and get on board with some of this, it would be kind of a common sense practice. Because the scary part is, is that right now it's slowly being implemented. And unless we're aware of it, they're not even calling it critical race theory. They're just putting it into the curriculum as something else, sliding it through. We had some parents call in from uh, from the Johnson County and Overland Park areas where they're trying to slip it in. They caught it and then they tried the school board tried to backtrack because they weren't calling it critical race theory, but trying to slide it in in part of the curriculum and they got exposed for it and i think this is happening all over the state and we're not even aware it's it's absolutely happening all over the state and, and you bring up a really good point it is so hard to track because the um the teacher doesn't say here in here is my syllabus for the semester here are all the books we are going to read and here is the section of the course that will be uh, critical race theory right. you know, in big bold letters named critical and so instead it's simply thing it's a series of things that the, the teacher classroom. And that's why we need a state statute. If the state statute says you shall not do this and there are certain penalties if you do do this, then that changes the calculation for the teacher who is of a you know, radical leftist who wants to slip it in. Suddenly then they realize, wait a minute, the students will know what I'm doing. And they might tell their parents and their parents might, you know, it might bring raise a concern of this. So yeah. uh, that statute will be very, very helpful in stopping this sort of insidious seeping of CRT into the instruction. Yeah, I love it. We got just about a minute or so left before we have to let you go. Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. But uh, in general, as the position of the attorney general, which is what you're running for here, how important are these positions going to be going into the next few years? Obviously, we've talked about this before about the the ability for states to start fighting back from federal mandates and federal law that's coming down and trying to isolate ourselves from some of this ridiculousness. Are states gaining more power again the way that federalism was supposed to be at the beginning where states had a lot more power than the federal government? Are we starting to reclaim some of that power right now? Because I'm getting a sense that a lot of states are starting to move this direction. Yes, we absolutely are. And that's why I believe the Office of Attorney General at this particular juncture in history is the most effective tool we who believe in the Constitution can can use, and that's why I'm running for this office. Look, attorneys general will always play defense. That means you defend your state's laws when they're being challenged, and, and, and I will continue to do that as I've fought the ACLU many, many times in my career. But one thing that needs to happen, and that's what I will bring to the office, is we need to go on offense against an oppressive federal government. And not all attorneys general are willing to do the work to make that happen, bringing litigation against the Biden administration. Uh, as you know, and we've discussed on your program, I already have a lawsuit pending in the Southern District of Texas in federal court against the Biden administration's violation of multiple laws concerning the immigration crisis, uh, this, this upcoming lawsuit uh, against the OSHA mandate. Uh, this is what I've done, uh, and that is file suit. I've also filed a suit on behalf of ICE officers against the Obama administration. Uh, filing lawsuits is complex, complex litigation in, in civil court and stopping uh, government entities that are violating our constitutional rights. And, and the Attorney General's office is absolutely essential. Uh, we need to go on offense. It's that front line for the legal defense, and a lot of states are utilizing that, and uh, that's what we could be doing here, and we are doing here in the state of Kansas as well. Chris Kobach, former Secretary of State, candidate for Attorney General. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do it again soon. All right.
right. My pleasure. Hey, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll do this again soon. We'll take a break. Wrap up hour number one. Lots more to get to here on Candace Talk, right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. Back with the AARP. Getting involved in the community, make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also, make sure to find them and follow them on their social media as well. We are in the beginning of November, and that means we're also getting set for the holiday season. And to talk with us about some of the online scams, how can you protect yourself? Because there's always a lot of fraud that happens when you try to purchase those things online. Mary's back with us with the AARP. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Doing great. It's hard to believe we're flying by the year this quickly, but I think a lot of people have on their minds Black Friday shopping. There's some good sales going on already. People are getting prepared for the holidays. What could we be prepared for with uh, using our credit card, using our debit card, trying to go online and buy all the fun stuff we need to this year? Well, yeah, it's hard to believe Thanksgiving's close, and then right around the corner is are the holiday, the Christmas holiday season, and so we know that people are shopping if they haven't already. I know some friends who have already purchased gifts, um, but if you're in the holiday shopping spirit, we want you to be careful about some things. You know, with the worldwide supply chain delays this holiday season, um, a lot of people are getting started earlier than ever because they've heard that there's... Um, shortages of some items, and they want to scoop up those top gifts um, before they disappear. So a lot of people, you know, do the online shopping. And so we wanted to make sure that folks have some tips and, and understand what they need to do to protect their information when they're shopping online. Some great points. Yeah, so, talk, talk about some of those. Yeah, so there, there's two main ones. And one, we say type, don't click. And what that means is when you're scrolling through um, social media sites, you know, there's a lot of ads that pop up and they want to take you directly to a site. Um, And just to make sure that you're going to get directly to the site you want, to the store that you want, we recommend that you go, go directly, you type in that website yourself. Instead of clicking a link on a social media site, Type it in the your your search engine and go directly to that website. That way, you know that you're going to go go there and not be taken somewhere else. Mm, I like. And that. then the the second one is um, and we you know we say this every year and sometimes it's just hard to to abide by, but it's avoid deals that you know are too good to be true. You know we all want a deal, but. If it really sounds just too amazing um, that you have to jump in right away and get it before time runs out, then that should raise a red flag that that um, you know some somebody's trying to get you to spend your money as quickly as you can, and they're trying to do it so that you won't think about it. Yeah. So we want to make sure that if something sounds really really good, really stop and think: Is this a scam? And sometimes. Those offers even come from a friend. They'll say, hey, did you, guess what? I found this great offer, and you should click on this link and go here. Well, that should be a, a red flag, too. You know, you, your friends are just trying to be nice and share things with you, but um, that's where the scammers are lurking. They're trying to hack social media accounts. They're pretending to be your friend when, when it, it, they've just hacked your friend's account. So just a lot of things to be aware of. 
some really great information. I mean, you do need to take your time, watch everything. And I, I mean, it's kind of like the email scams, isn't it? Where if some wording is wrong or a letter's missing in there or a logo looks a little funky, then that should be a big concern if you try to go to a website to purchase something because then you know that it's probably not the most legit place to be. Exactly. They can mimic websites so easily. So that's why it's better not to just click on that link that they're popping in front of you, but instead say, oh, it's at that store, and then go back in and put the the, um, the website for the store that you're looking for. That's yeah. this easier, safer way to do things. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, a lot of people are going to be purchasing those things here soon, so it's good information. Also, what else is going on with the AERP? You always have the virtual learning and sessions. You have some educational things, some entertainment stuff. You guys are always doing something over there. We we are. In fact, if you look on our website, it's aarp.org slash ks. Um, you can find lots of things to do. There's a Pilates class going on right now, and it's um, helping you with your neck and shoulders and taking some of that stress out of your body that we can all feel this time of the year. Um, there's the gourmet tour of Ireland by a food historian. It tells you some of the foods that are popular in Ireland. Um, and then we have regional trivia. We're still doing that. It's been very popular. So you don't have to have a team. You just sign up and you can play trivia and win prizes. Mm. Um, then we've got some um, um, webinars on caregiver burnout. If you're caring for somebody and you're you're just burned out and you, you just need some advice about what to do, we can help you there. Um, and then there is um, coming up, one of the movies for grown-ups is called Little Satchmo, and um, that's coming up on Friday, November 12th. So lots more things to do, but those are a few of the highlights, and we hope people can go on the website and take advantage of some of them. Yeah, I love it. Great information. You guys always have something fun going on. And I remember a couple of years ago, you guys used to do the Pokemon Go things at the park, too. So once it gets summertime again, that might be a fun event for a lot of the kids as well. It's the aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Go ahead and find them on their website, also on their social media as well. Mary, always great to chat with you. We'll do it again next week. All right, Andy. Take care. All right, there it is. That was the AARP. We always appreciate their weekly update here on the program. Let's take a break. Hour number two. Can't just talk right around the corner. It was a jam-packed hour number one. We still have election recaps to do. We'll probably get some of the new school board members on the show here in the next few weeks to get an update from them on what it looks like moving forward with them on the school board, what that lays out for our curriculum and our quality of education here in public education systems in Kansas. We'll do that. Plus, we'll talk about the vaccine mandates, OSHA's mandates. It just came out yesterday, what that all means for businesses here in Kansas as well. When we come back in hour number two, we have Kansans for Health uh, Freedom, Connie Newcomb. She'll be joining us to talk about the vaccines for children because apparently that's now a thing. We called that one a while ago. Well, people are like, no, it's not going to happen. That's a little extreme. Well, it's here. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Hour number two of Kansas Talk coming up right around the corner. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is a Saturday morning. Welcome back into Kansas Talk, hour number two of Kansas Talk, broadcasting right here on your Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Flies right on by. Flies right on by. We've had a great first hour. Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. 
great partner here with uh, Kansas Talk and with KQAM Airwaves. You can find them online, philscoins.com. They're also on, uh, they're also open until 2.30 this afternoon, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Literally about the only guy in the state of Kansas that actually has silver on hand with all the crazy inflation rates and scare of the economy and everything else going on. Go and check them out. 9344 West Central Avenue. It's Phil's Coins, also online at Phil's Coins. Then we had, of course, Chris Kobach, uh, candidate for attorney general, talking about the legal side of critical race theory, how to stop that here in the state of Kansas. And, of course, the vaccine mandates. OSHA has officially come out and released their a plan to go after businesses starting in January for any business with 100 employees or more. Real quickly, before we get into our topic here, I do. I saw a headline. I went to a concert on Thursday this week. So if my voice is still a little rocky, that would be why. Went up to Lawrence, had a great time. I am sore from, you know, the head banging and the mosh pitting. But I, I tell you what, they give rock and roll concerts and metal concerts a bad rep because, ah, oh, those crazy guys trying to hurt each other and, you know, the mosh pits harming people and people have died in the mosh pit. Okay, that's been cut off quite a bit, and it was actually pretty civil. But I just saw a headline on NBC News about a rap performance, a rap concert down in Houston, Texas, where eight people died after this massive crowd was trying to gather around the stage and it just, like, crammed people in. Not a metal concert. It was a rap concert. Just throwing that out there, man. Don't hate on the rockers. Welcome back in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. We got a lot to get to this hour. We have the elections that I want to recap from on Tuesday, school board elections, and what we do to move forward to try and stop some of the, oh, I don't know, mask mandates and critical race theory and vaccine mandates in our public schools, how we get our schools back on track with the uh, higher education preparation and our test scores and our graduation rates. We'll get to all that here in just a bit. But right now, Along with OSHA that's come out with their plans to try and mandate companies of the 100 employees or more to actually get vaccinated. Outside of the Biden administration's mandates on federal employees that have trickled down to not just federal employees, but also federal contractors as well, which means everybody in the aviation industry right now here in the Wichita area, you're feeling the grunt of this. A lot of manufacturing companies around here. I've gotten, I've literally gotten emails and messages from at least a couple people every single day over the last month or so. Uh, people saying, Andy, the OSHA laws aren't in place yet. My company's already starting to implement these mandates. What do I do? What can we do? What's being done? How do we fight this stuff? That news is already troubling enough. But then we had this week as well, uh, Pfizer come out to approve and the CDC approve the vaccine for children age 5 to 11 or 5 to 12. And already... Already here in the state of Kansas, we're already seeing schools try to hold vaccine clinics to encourage you to get your child vaccinated for COVID-19. Now, a quote-unquote mandate has not come down yet, at least that I'm aware of. But this, is, to me, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. Does anybody know, show of hands, how many children have actually died from COVID-19 over the last year and a half during the COVID-19 pandemic? As far as I'm aware, the last numbers that I saw from directly from the Kansas Department of Health and Environment's website, there was exactly one under the age of 18. One! But yet now we're going to start forcing all these kids to start getting the vaccine in order to go to school. You know it's coming. Uh, it's just going to be part of the regular routine when you get your vaccinations for the kids going into the new school year. Got to get your measles and your mumps and your chicken pox and this and that. Oh, and by the way, the COVID-19 vaccine. It's going to be the standard protocol here soon. And we're just going to be like, okay. Are you ready for that? Are you willing to allow your children to be influenced by that? Are you willing to give your kid the shot? 
because that's just what they want. To talk some more about that and more, really excited to have on the program. I was really honored and excited to be able to emcee their rally up in Topeka just a couple of weeks ago where I've heard, and from my estimate, close to 1,000 people showed up to this thing, a massive rally that went on for hours trying to get people aware of this, the massive hearings from our legislative committee trying to let people know and let our elected officials know why we're frustrated about this madness. But with Kansans for Health Freedom, excited to have on here Connie Newcomb with us here. Connie, how are you, my friend? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. First off, thank you for inviting me and letting me come up and help out with the rally a couple weeks ago. That was an absolute blast. I really hope that I get to do some more stuff with you guys because I, with how many people showed up to that rally and with the messages I get from the radio show every single day, this is a major issue to where people are losing their livelihoods. And now apparently we have to be concerned about our kids with these mandates. Yes, that's one of the things I'm really concerned about. I'm trying to figure out how to penetrate the media to to let them know that they need to give both sides of the story. Most of the time, it's just one story. It's safe and effective, safe and effective, do it, do it, do it. That is not the true story. That is basically a deception. And so I really appreciate you uh, letting me be on. Uh, Yes, Last weekend, we were at the rally, and it is estimated there were over 1,500 people because um, one lady gave out pins to people, the the freedom pins, and she knew how many she had. She had 1,500, and she never gave any twice, and uh, she got rid of all of them, and she needed more. So wow. we know that there were 1,500 people, but it was come and go. That's amazing. A little bit. So anyway, we did have a very good rally on short notice. Kansas for Health Freedom really wasn't the sponsor of it. We were just told to bring the people. The uh, Several legislators who were on this legislative committee were the sponsors, and they are the ones who told us to round up the people to bring them to Topeka, and we were really thankful for that. That's amazing. The fact that the legislators called this special hearing, the special committee, to hear people and hear their concerns was amazing to me. And you guys had two days of people going yeah. and giving personal testimony Friday and Saturday. They got three minutes, and they were there for hours Friday and Saturday with people talking about already. I mean, OSHA hasn't even been implemented yet, and yet people are saying, well, you know, I, I'm going to lose my job, or I did lose my job, or I'm concerned my business is being shut down, and, oh, I can't go to work, and, oh, I'm concerned about my kids. I've never seen so much outcry before like this, which is a really good sign because I, I really hope that our legislators here in Kansas heard that voice. Well, I think they heard the voice. I hope they realize and feel like they can do something. As you know, in politics, there are so many um, strings and uh, tentacles attached. So it can be uh, it can be difficult, and it depends on which legislator you talk to. I wrote them a thank you letter, and I encouraged them to not cater to lesser concerns, but to really hear the voice voices of the people. We live in a republic. A republic means that you have a representative government, and the responsibility of legislators is to represent the people, not to represent industry, and not to represent the higher-up agencies. I'm really concerned about the KDHE. They've been appropriated over $80 million, $78 million of which will they will use on the schools. So if you are a parent with uh, children in public school, be aware that they're going to train the Immunized Kansas Coalition on how to re-educate vaccine-hesitant parents. They've already been doing that. That was even before COVID-19. And uh, they do that. They're going to do that. I'm concerned that they might try to coerce or convince your child to get a vaccine without your permission. And they have already started moving health clinics into the schools and started vaccinating, um, probably started vaccinating in the schools in some places. 
I know in Illinois that's happening and that's going to happen in other states. So parents need to be on high, high alert because the pressure is going to be on these kids. And um, that is something to be very concerned about. When the KDHE has $78 million to throw around, yeah. beware. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's very troubling. Now, I had heard about some of the schools actually hosting like an open public clinic and trying to encourage kids to come in now that they've been approved for the five years and up. Uh, because really that that includes preschoolers all the way up. So the K-12 through system now can say, oh, we want to get everybody vaccinated in here. I've heard of some of the open public school uh, clinics that they're trying to hold right now, but you're saying they're going to take this to another level and trying to actually have the nurses at the school, trying to have these quote-unquote educational uh, resources at the school to encourage the parents who are hesitant to uh, to quote-unquote educate them on the vaccine, but then try to actually pr- get your kid to do it without your consent. Because that's the biggest trouble to me is when my daughter comes home. I'm, my daughter's seven. She's in second grade. She's going to come home and be like, oh, yeah, they said I needed to get this shot today because I was going to be sick. And if that's the case, Papa Bear ain't going to be very happy. Well, you need to be talking to your kids. You need to be informing them. It's sad that five-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds are going to have to stand against the system when um, the uh, – the system should be on the side of the parents. Yeah. And um, so, I, you know, I can't promise exactly how it's going to go. I really can't say exactly how it's going to go. Individual school systems will probably handle this differently. But I think it's good to be aware sure. of worst-case worst scenarios. And uh, the idea that anyone thinks your 5- to 11-year-old needs this vaccine needs to be heavily reexamined. There is no emergency for children in regards to uh, COVID. So this, there is zero emergency. The, the, as you said, one child you found died in Kansas. The deaths, according to what I, the information I have, is that there's been 66 deaths from COVID in kids age 1 to 4 and 185 in kids age 5 to 15. And these, these were children who had previous serious issues. Yeah. So uh, for healthy kids, you're taking healthy kids and you're putting them at risk. And once this vaccine has injured your child, you can never, ever undo it. And the other thing, another really important thing is that the parent assumes full responsibility, even if they were coerced by other people, that, that no one else is responsible for liability. I think this whole thing would be over in one minute if Congress passed a law making the pharmaceutical companies liable for their product. Yeah. And because there's no liability since 1986 on childhood vaccines and since 2005 with the PrEP Act on the adult vaccines. So basically it's a free ticket for these pharmaceutical companies to do whatever they want. And a lot of their testing is very shoddy and it is not uh, truly scientifically done according to um, science and its standards. Yeah. So, uh, don't believe um, the fox when it's guarding the hen house. <laughs> well, well, that's the big concern right now because right now, I mean, and if people get the vaccine, they get the vaccine. It's their own personal choice. That's the choice that you get to actually have. What we don't hear about is all the information. That's what you guys have been punching out here is that during the clinical trials of the COVID-19 vaccine, yeah, is it still a low rate of people with negative effects comparably to the large population that's gotten it? Sure. However, during the clinical trials, that they had more bad response to the clinical trials compared to any other vaccine that's on the market right now. They had more of a bad response, and yet they still drove home with it because they wanted to try and ram it down our throats. Why are we not in this conversation 
which to me is the, really the biggest thing and what you guys really focus on a lot too. And, and with the speakers that we had at the rally really reinforced this. Why are we not focusing on the natural immunity side of the argument that if, if, if you've had the va- if you've had the virus, you've built up an immunity to it, you're you're healthy now, you're good, but yet you're not vaccinated so you're still part of the problem in society. Like to me that just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think uh, you know when they say that there has to be underlying agendas which uh, I can't really speak to for sure. But uh, if, if you have natural immunity, they should um, do an analysis or a, a test before you get a shot to see if you really even need it. They have never done that with vaccinations, and they will never do it as long as they don't have liability. Yeah. We are moving the wealth upward in society towards the already wealthy with doing uh, this vaccine program with you know the Pfizer and these companies are making billions of dollars. And also in the trials, I mean, are you really going to believe Pfizer's analysis of a trial? (laughs) They have uh, removed 4.9% of their clinical participants. If you watch Senator Ron Johnson's expert panel on vaccine injury, which occurred just this week, I believe it was on Tuesday or on Wednesday, I can't remember for sure which day, uh, the people who were in the trials for these COVID-19 vaccines were dismissed once they had injury. They are no longer on the books. And they didn't even have their second uh, vaccine in some cases. And I encourage everyone to go to the highwire.com and watch the, uh, the latest episode, the first 15 minutes. I think it was called Striking the Heart. And if you watch the first 15 minutes, you'll hear the stories of these people, some of them who were in the vaccine trial and some of them who were just in the regular trial, which is everyone now, <laughs> because this isn't still any under emergency use authorization. So all the millions of people who got the vaccine are, in a sense, in a trial. Wow. But uh, those in the clinical trials have been totally abandoned. They have spoken to all the high authority. They've spoken to the NIH, the CDC, the FDA. They've spoken to all the legislators. They've gotten nowhere. Unbelievable. In- yeah. It- one, one, one lady said uh, Pfizer, uh, or not Pfizer, but the the pharmaceutical company that she got AstraZeneca, they wired her $590 for her injury. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Good, Gala. We're talking with Connie Newcomb, <laughs> Kansans for Health Freedom. Uh, you can find them online, kshf.org, kshf.org. Uh, a couple minutes before we got to let you go here, but uh, the, the point of the rally, and I think this is, needs to be reiterated, and I want you to talk about this for a minute, is that we have the right right now already. It's not the, the rally on, on Saturday, you know, was not about asking permission to be able to be exempted. It's not about hoping that they do something to protect our rights. We already have that right. It's just whether they're on board with us or not, because the sense I got from a lot of individuals is that this is a hard line, uh, whether they've been vaccinated or not, I'm not going with the mandate. And if you do mandate it, that I'm finding a new way to actually live my life and actually move out or I'm leaving my job or I'm leaving that community or I'm doing something different because there are so many people. I mean, we're, we're looking at a potential 5% of the entire adult workforce nationwide stepping away from their jobs once this gets implemented because people are done with this type of lack of full information and this push that I don't think we've ever seen before. Yes. Uh, being willing to leave your job for the sake of the principle of the Constitution is, is an incredible thing. And I think the pushback is, uh, is, is really great. Uh, it is true. Our representatives don't give us liberty. Our Constitution doesn't even give us liberty. Our Constitution is based on the premise that, under, that God has given us freedom and liberty. And it's designed to uphold that which we already have been given. So, yes, we are 
we want our representatives to realize their job is not to write us a bi- write a bill that gives us liberty. Their job is to uphold what already exists. Yeah, and um, they have to figure out how to do that. One of the big strings that keeps them from doing this is federal money, because federal money is attached to everything, and no one wants to lose funding, and no one wants to be sued. So those are two uh, big hitches that I feel feel like they need to overcome. Yeah. Uh, or how? How can we refuse federal money? How can we become a sovereign state? Not so dependent on the federal government on even, or even on the taxes that we pay the federal government. I don't know. I don't know all the answers to this. And um, how do we, uh, how do we uh, re- regain the sovereignty that we should have? Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It is, it's an ongoing battle, and I'm glad people are aware of this. I'm glad that you guys are there pushing this agenda and letting people know that there is other information out there and with other choices that they can't actually make because I, I'm telling you, I've never seen something like this before where people are just either swarming to it without all the information or they're being told to do it and being forced and, and strong-armed. I mean, I've never seen businesses be shut down because they were, quote, non, non-essential either, so that was kind of a new for us over this last year as yeah. well. Kansas for Health Freedom, Kansas for Health Freedom, KSHF.org is the website. Go and check those guys out. Connie, it's great to get you on the show. I appreciate it very much. We will get you back on here again soon as you guys continue to keep pushing this stuff. I'm really excited to keep working with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Andy. We'll talk to you again. Sounds great. We appreciate that. We'll get her back on the show again soon. That's kind of new. Come again with Kansans for Health Freedom. 24 minutes past the hour. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get your thoughts on the election, on these vaccine mandates. Are you going to vaccinate your children or grandchildren? We'll have those discussions when we come back right around the corner. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. past the hour welcome back into the program thanks again to connie newcomb coming on the show kansans for health freedom great to chat with her and blow your mind with all that information about the vaccines the health did you know that school's already doing vaccine clinics for the children i mean come on they're five years old they need to get that vaccine they are not healthy they will die if you don't get that COVID 19 vaccine It's crazy to think about. Now, the big concern at the beginning, if you remember, from the teachers' union, not necessarily the teachers, but the teachers' union, was that the kids, they felt, this. Uh, they said the, par- the the teachers felt uncomfortable going into the classroom again this year until the children actually got vaccinated. Because while they may be vaccinated, they're really scared that they could actually be transferring it. Now, again, that doesn't make any sense because you can still get the virus and you can still transmit the virus after you've been vaccinated. So if the teacher already is vaccinated, then they could still get it and they could still spread it regardless of whether the children have been or not. So again, just some more misinformation out there for you guys as they try and say, you really, really have to do this because we got to get rid of the spread. We got to try and eradicate the virus, got to try and slow down the spread. But the vaccine ain't going to be the thing doing that. The only one and only singular one item, the only reason that there is a vaccine is to try and limit your symptoms when you actually contract it. That is it. The only singular reason. It does not stop the spread. It does not stop anything else other than the symptoms that you potentially could have when you get the virus for your own personal health. Again, going back to your own personal choice. But, again, some just don't see it that way. We'll talk about some more about that when we come back. we got some calls on the line. Stay here. We'll get to you as soon as we come back. Open line to you for the last half hour of the program. We'll do our election recap. We'll get you set. Are you prepared to vaccinate your children? And do you think we need to for the school year to continue? 
in person like some have tried to threaten. If that's the case, the KDHE spending almost $80 million into our schools to try and get those kids vaccinated. Is that a proper use of our taxpayer money? We'll talk about all that and more when we come back here on Candace Talk after the bottom of the hour. Stay right here on KQAM. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. It is a Saturday, last half hour, last home stretch here on the program. Always great to have you for the ride today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Thanks again to Connie Newcomb coming on the program. Kansans for Health Freedom. Great information there. And we'll have some more of that type of discussion on the program as we go through. I'm telling you, this is the big issue. Some people are tired of hearing about COVID. Others are so angry because their entire livelihoods being tossed up in the air with their work and with their jobs and with their education and everything else. It's a big deal. If you have a story like that, I would love to hear from you on the program as well. Are you dealing with that with your work right now? Are you dealing with that with your school right now, with your children? Are you going through that battle? You're not alone. I promise you there are a lot of people who have to deal with this crap. So let's talk about it on the show. 316-721-8255. By the way, you just did hear as well the promo on KQAM about the word of the day going awesome. You can listen every few days on uh, Monday through Friday. You can hear the word of the day. So you hear it twice. You hear it once in the morning, usually during John Wright's program from 6 to 8 a.m. Then you hear the second word sometime throughout the day as well. Be the number three caller and you get a prize. We love giving that away and it's been a lot of fun. We also have some goodies coming up as well for the holidays. Stay tuned in for that one like we do every single year here on the KQAM Airwaves. All right, real quickly, we've got some calls on the line. I want to get to you in a second here, but I do want to run through the election results from Tuesday, at least for a couple of them, as we made some really big gains, did some really big stuff. It was pretty awesome. So as we continue on with, I guess this is pretty appropriate. Kansas held hostage. Wow. <laughs> was that it? All right, let's do it. So in the election from Tuesday, USD 259, district number one for our school board, Diane Albert. We've had her on the program before. Ended up winning over the incumbent, Ben Blankley. 14,775 votes to 11,345. I have to admit, those are some decent numbers for a school board race on an off-season election, is it not? That's pretty good number. Usually we have a very low turnout, but these guys, the four that campaigned together, Diane Albert, and Brent Davis, and Kathy Bond, and Hazel Stabler, all four of them really campaigned together as a big unit. Because if you are within school district of USD 259, you get to vote for all of the candidates, not just the one specific district that you actually live in. So they campaigned together as all of them. And it worked out fantastic. Diane Albert ended up winning over the incumbent, Ben Blankley. Congrats to Diane, and we'll get her back on the show again soon. The district number five, Kathy Bond, ended up taking over Mia Turner and, uh, as the incumbent. 13,920 to uh, 12,044, a 53 to 46% win for Kathy. Again, taking out the incumbent. Congrats on that one. Hazel Stabler took out the incumbent, Ron Rosales, uh, 44% to 29%. With 11,545 votes, 27807. The only one of the four that didn't end up going through was District Number Two, with Brent Davis ended up losing to Julie Hendrick, the incumbent, 12,958 to 11,742, a 49.6 to 45 percent vote there. 
So, congrats to our new three school board candidates. We haven't talked about school board candidates this much before because this is, as Donald Trump would say, this is huge. This is bigly. This is the biggest thing you've ever seen. This is massive. Again, we don't usually focus a lot of attention on the off-season elections that consist of some school boards and city councils. This is not just Wichita that did this. This was the entire state where we had a massive conservative push for school board candidates all over the state and across the nation. Why? A few reasons. Critical race theory, bad graduation rates, how much money these schools do you realize? The Wichita School District itself received $75 million in COVID-19 relief. Didn't need it. Did virtual learning last year. Didn't have a whole lot of, you know, expenses with the buildings and upkeep and everything. Bought some cleaning supplies. They already had a record, a massive record uh, emergency fund, safety net, whatever you want to call it, that's sitting in the uh, savings account for, for the school district right now already. $75 million, no apparent reason for it. What are they going to spend that money on? Well, they're not spending it on the teachers, not spending it on the resources. No, they're building new buildings because that's what they do. We've got to have the latest building or else they can't get educated. That's what it always goes to. We have critical race theory that's flooding into our school districts we don't want in our school districts. We have mask mandates we had to battle at the beginning of the year. We now are going to have vaccine mandates for our children. Imagine, vac I can't say this enough, imagine vaccinating your kid at five years old for something they don't even get sick from. Andy, they do get sick. Yeah, one kid died in the last year and a half in the state of Kansas under the age of 18, according to the numbers from the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. Again, this is we live in a world of absolute madness now where that's the battle. So you know what? A massive conservative push. We, what we need to do is we need to keep this momentum up because we can't forget about these local elections on off seasons. We can't forget about the school boards. We can't forget about the, the city council. We can't forget about the county commission because if anything has been learned over the last two years during this pandemic, it's the fact that local elected officials have a lot of power over us when they say your business is non-essential, when they create a snitch line for you to call to rat out a business who's not enforcing masks, when they try to say that if you don't actually vaccinate your people either coming in as consumers or as their employees that we're going to shut you down or fine you to tell your kids you have to go to school with a mask on elected officials at the local level are what make your everyday livelihood and we're starting to remember that which is why this big push is here now moving forward what's next with this there are six districts for our usd 259 school board and then an at large so there are essentially seven of them in there, we won three out of the four that were on the ballot this year. Three of them makes an even three to three vote with the at large as the teetering swing vote now. So while we've done some massive, wonderful work in our USD 259 school board, the fight is not done because we've essentially become the U.S. Senate now to where we're tied neck and neck with a swing vote that is the vice president or the at-large Cheryl Logan in our USD 259. So while it may help a little bit of the conversation, to be able to swing them back towards the middle a little bit with some of their agenda on the school board, we have some work to do because we can't stop everything because we didn't get the majority. We needed all four to happen in order to actually stop everything, have the majority, and start changing things as quick as we possibly could. That didn't happen. 
We're now tied at three and three on the school board. And again, these are we got to remind everybody too. This is nonpartisan. These school board elections are nonpartisan, quote unquote. However, it's been extremely partisan on how they actually promote certain agendas on the school board. And while the Democrat Party locally has campaigned and helped out many of the candidates, the Republican Party for the first time this year actually campaigned for some of these school board members and helped out, and that was able to get them over the finish line for three out of the four. Still not bad. Still not bad at all. We did great, but now we're sitting at a 3-3 vote with the at-large, with the swing vote, and they still have the majority by one singular vote, kind of like what we're dealing with with the U.S. Senate. So our next conversation needs to be, number one, trying to bring things back to the middle and finding a compromise, trying to find ways to get them to get together and actually make some semi-decent bills and or, uh, some uh, decisions on spending, trying to rein in things a little bit, and then focus on the next school board election when the other districts are open and we start changing it that way. The fight cannot stop here because we're close, but no cigar yet. We're almost there, but not quite. So we got some work to do. So I wanted to bring that to your attention, but congratulations to the three that did win with Kathy Bond, with Hazel Stabler, and with Diane Albert. That is wonderful. We'll get them on the show, and we'll talk some more with them uh, now that we have in quote-unquote in on the school board and actually talk about what's going on in there. We can talk about curriculum. We can talk about vaccine mandates. We can talk about mask mandates. We can talk about ways to actually get our graduation rates up because, you know, like we've said before, spending per student going from $12,000, what, seven years ago to $20,000 now, Zero increase in graduation rates, zero increase in test scores being raised. It's just more money. It's inflation, Andy. Okay, 316 I want to get your thoughts on that. The election, did you go and vote? And the question is with the new vaccine mandates, with OSHA coming out with theirs, is it going to be affecting you with your work or your business? And... The children being vaccinated. Yay, nay, thumbs up, thumbs down. I want to get your thoughts on all this as we wrap up here for the show today on a Saturday. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Andy, it's Sean. Sean, what's happening, sir? How we doing? Man, I tell you what, <laughs> I almost wish I was an illegal immigrant. <laughs> well, I mean, if, you, if you're if you an illegal immigrant, you got a chance now of potentially getting $450,000, so why not? Yeah, but... Uh, that's ridiculous. But I tell you what, I look on the bright side of this, of that, of that insanity. Uh, with with uh, ever-increasing inflation and the high prices of, you know, 450 grand just, it just didn't. It just doesn't cut it these days, you know. It just doesn't get you much. Just not enough. <laughs> that's that. That's the nice compensation for the rise of inflation prices, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, well, anyway. The mandate. The mandate. Uh, it's, it's coming out. OSHA finally released it. It's going to take effect beginning of January. Are you ready? Uh, I could care less about their mandate. I ain't getting no shot. That's a, that's unconstitutional. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You know, this has been wind up in the Supreme Court. So yeah, well, it's going to run in the Supreme Court. There are businesses already filing suits. I saw a news headline today. The UFC. Uh, with Dana White and the the fighting, if anybody enjoys that type of sports. Uh, he's already come out as a private business and said, no, we will not be mandating our fighters to get the vaccine, even after OSHA comes out. And they have well over 100 employees. They're a major company uh, with all the camera crews and all the production people and all the sales people and all the fighters. And they are well over 100 employees in that company, the UFC. They will not be mandating the vaccine. They're not doing it. 
which means the OSHA and the federal government's going to try and come after them. Lawsuits are going to be started there. We just had Chris Kobach on uh, last hour talking about litigation, where he's working to represent businesses starting lawsuits already. We have the pilots union down uh, with Southwest Airlines that's already trying to fight some of the mandates. I mean, these are going to be massive lawsuits all over the country, and there is no way they can be held up to say, yes, we can force you to function in society, to go to work, to go into a store, to go into a concert venue, to go into a restaurant, that you have to show proof of a vaccine in order for you to function in society for, by the way, a virus that has less than a 1% death rate. Well, I fully expect the Chief Justice <laughs> to, uh, uh, when it comes to this mandate, I fully, I fully expect him to give, give us the shaft again like he did with Obamacare. Yeah. So, you know, well, don't, I don't count know. on count on the Supreme Court. In fact, I'm thinking maybe I ought to be keeping a bottle of uh, or a tube of KY jelly and some Preparation H in my cabin just in case. Just in case. Well, I tell you, there are two facets to this, and this is a great reminder for everybody. It's number one, we can fight on the legal front, and I think we are going to win on this one because there's not a whole lot that they can hold up and actually say this is constitutional or legal. So we do need to fight it in court, and I think we will win in the courts personally. However, we should not be looking to the courts to make all of our decisions for us and just hoping on a whim that they make the right decision. And a lot of times, as you mentioned, they don't. The other level is we just don't comply. And let's just say, I'm pulling a number out, let's just say that 50% of all of the companies across the nation that are over 100 employees or more don't comply with this mandate from OSHA. If 50% of them oh, did that, 70% of them did that, if they did that, there is nothing the government could do. They are overwhelmed. OSHA is not that big of a department. The Biden administration needs to triple and quadruple the size of OSHA to go after all these uh, companies because they consider a small business, Sean, they consider a small business in the country a company with 500 employees or less, and that is 95% of the entire economic driving force here in the country with, with 500 employees or less is considered a small business. They're looking at every small business with 100 employees or more, which means they're going to be completely overwhelmed. There's zero way that they can actually enforce this. And when 50%, 60% of the companies don't, don't comply with it, there's nothing they can do. They're powerless. Well, that's right, because first of all, it takes Congress to pass a law, right. not some damn federal agency and not the president all on his own. It is not so, a mandate. It is. I mean, you're right. It is a mandate. It's an executive order. It is not a piece of law that is signed by Congress and approved by the Supreme Court and signed by the president of the United States to make an actual federal law into our constitution. It, it, it's not that, which means just not complying with it. They can't do it. They can try to fine us. They can try to punish us. They can do whatever they want. It's just not going to happen. Sean, I appreciate it. I want to get some other phone calls here as well. But you're absolutely right. Got to remind them. We have the power right now. There are some, there's some. there been a lot of news from conservative businesses, Second Amendment industry businesses right now that were like, oh, well, we have to abide by this. And they put the mandate in. There was some pushback. And they retracted it because they're scared. And I feel bad for business owners being stuck in that rock in the hard place. Do I impose the mandate and go along with it and lose half my workforce? Or do I not do that and have the government on my back? What do I do? I feel bad for business owners. And for a guy who's trying to start a side business myself, I'm glad I'm not in that position because I have one employee or two, I guess, my wife and I. That's it. That's it. So I don't have to worry about that, luckily. But at some point, if I ever get to be that big and I'm employing a 1,000 people, I'm really glad I'm not in that position right now, and I, I encourage all the business owners here in Wichita, across the state of Kansas, I strongly encourage you to stay strong, stay vigilant, fight it, because you know it's not right, 
you know it's not right, and you can do something about it. And when you just don't comply, that'll give the encouragement for another business owner to just not comply, and that trickle-down effect will take effect, and, and we can stop this. We can do it regardless of what the government tries to do or not do, regardless of what the Supreme Court does or not does and how they rule. We can make a difference here. 316-728-255. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, it's Dave calling. Dave, how are you? I'm great. Dave, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good. Hey, Reagan Republican, proud to say my first vote was 1984 for Reagan. And I've only voted for like two Democrats in the 30-some-odd 40 years since. But I got to tell you, I really, really, really disagree with a lot of what you say on the vaccine. And um, I, I don't believe in mandates. I don't think the government should be doing that. But sure. I don't think the government would ha- should have to be doing that because the vaccine's the smart way to, to, to go. Now, just to, to cotton on what you just finished saying, I wouldn't be so sure about the mandates being held unconstitutional. Businesses are required to provide a safe working environment. And the government does have regulations that have held up in court that your the government can require that a construction site require that its employees wear hard hats because it's a safety function. Sure. And so, you know, and and boy, the in the the if the inspector and it doesn't have to be OSHA, it can be the state, it can be the county. The inspector comes in, you got a bunch of guys at a construction site working a, in a hard hat without hard hats, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, they're going to come down on them. Sure. No, I agree with that. Employers are certainly allowed to fire people who break. Wait a minute. Employers are required to provide a safe working environment. And if they deem that hard hats is a safety thing, they can fire you if you continually don't wear your your hard hat. Because one, they're going to get your, you could get injured and then it's on their insurance. Sure. Uh, They can get fined because you're allowing a lot of that stuff. So employers are allowed to decide that, hey, this is going to be required of you on a safety thing. And if you're not going to uh, go with it, you're going to be fired. Now, I, that's the right of the employer to run the business he wants to run, which would include mandate. I mean, I'm in healthcare. I've been mandated to get a flu shot or get fired for years. That's just the way it is. Sure. So uh, let, let, let me know, play. Again, let me play. I'm not supporting. I'm, I'm not supporting a governmental mandate. Sure, but no, I'm I, I, I understand it's completely not what you're saying. Going to be upheld in court. Yeah. I think there's an excellent chance that the government mandate will be upheld in court because it is just their already established function of. Yeah. Let me let me play devil's you know, advocate. You know, let me play devil's advocate for yeah. just a minute because you're right and you're absolutely right. Businesses need to have a safe work environment and I think that's what the legal issues are going to come down to is yes. does the vaccine create that scenario for a safe work environment and does it actually make a difference or not? And when we see I I think the legal issues are going to come down to the uh the rate of breakthrough cases as at least the latest report that I've seen was that vaccinated individuals have seen like a 0.01% hospitalization rate. Unvaccinated individuals have seen a 0.8% hospitalization rate. Is that going to be the deciding factor of it's just enough to force it and make people do it in order to go to work? Because we do see breakthrough cases and when you can get it and you can spread it, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, is it really making a difference in the workplace enough for them to say you have to do this for a quote unquote safety protocol? No, you're you're right, but keep in mind with the 95% uh, rate uh, effectiveness rate on these vaccinations, 
And this is something else you said that, you know, hey, vaccinated people can spread it. And that is true. But with a 95 percent effective rate, basically, if you've got 100 COVID patients in front of you, five are vaccinated, 95 are not. So if we could, you know, that's what's going on here. Well, where do you put in where do you put in natural immunity in this? I mean, if it's if someone's got natural immunity. I'm okay with that. I, I, I would lump them in with uh, the, the vaccinated. That's something that, that I think you and I would agree on is we do need to do a, a job of, of analyzing how effective natural immunity is. Now, just like the shots, that's not a perfect thing either. Sure. Uh, I mean, Rand Paul's gotten it twice. Sure. But if it shows that natural immunity also has a 95% effective rate at preventing uh, re, you know, re-ups. But look, I'm in healthcare. This is close to me. I've got a grandson who's five sure. who got COVID, and he got it from someone who was unvaccinated mm. uh, at, at, at school. Now, he was lucky. He he didn't, you know, have a bad case, but his mom and dad missed three weeks worth of work. Sure. You know, but the daughter of my son's coworker got it from an unvaccinated person. And um, had just a normal child case, no big deal. And then two weeks later, he picked up the multi-symptom organ inflammation, wound up in the hospital for weeks on IV Dilaudid because Mm -hmm. he was in so much pain. And my wife personally did CPR on a young teen who came into the ER so sick with COVID that his heart stopped. And he, he, right when he got to the ER, mm. they ended up having saving his life, which nobody expected him to live. Sure. But he's almost certainly going to have brain damage based on the hour that they did CPR on him before they got him back. So, you know, and all of these cases were caused by 20 to one were caused by someone who's unvaccinated and who said, I'm going to take the risk for me. And if I get sick, that's that, that that's on me. But this is a communicable disease. This isn't heart disease. Look, I'm fat. I'm overweight. If I go eat a donut right now, that's the be- not the best thing for me. But if I choose to do that for me, I'm not going to infect somebody else with, with heart disease. Okay? This is a communicable disease. It's a big deal. Now, I get it. Okay, the, the death rate's at 1%, the hospitalization rate. I think it's more than 1%. I've heard that data that, that you've seen. But, man, we, you know, look, we've lost more Americans to all of the than, than to this than all of the wars combined. Seven hundred and fifty thousand Americans have died to COVID, and yeah, out of a population of three hundred and fifty three hundred twenty five million people. Okay, well, but come on, that's seven hundred fifty thousand people. It was a big deal when the Japs bombed Pearl Harbor, killed three thousand people. Well, I would say even with those you know, numbers, I, just, I, I mean, well, and you're right, and it, it has hit a lot of individuals, and it has killed a lot of individuals. Now, I would say out of those seven hundred and some odd thousand individuals, that ninety to ninety five percent of them had at least four to five comorbidities as well. So I think that needs to play a factor here too. Whether it's not just the virus coming out and just killing a, a randomly healthy person, it has some, but that's such a minute part of it. But I get your point. And Dave, I, I'm running out of time here. we got a hard break to wrap okay. up the show. So hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to chat. I, I really pre- like our talk. Yeah, I, I love the conversation. So. And we need to have more of these things. So I appreciate that. And I want to hear more people from the healthcare industry. So thank you for the call. And I appreciate that very much. And, and again, in the agreements of non-mandated vaccines, we need to have a conversation. Where does natural immunity fit in here? Where does the choice fit in here? Or the mask wearing or the uh, testing and all this stuff. So 
It's a conversation that's going to be happening. Um, again, I think the OSHA laws and the, and the legal suits are going to come down to the rates of effectiveness based on breakthrough cases, non-breakthrough, and then where the booster shots fit into all that as more. So, Dave, I appreciate that very much, my friend. Out of time. Podcast up in just a little bit. We're back at it on Monday for The Voice Reason. Next Saturday for Candace Talk. Until then, everyone have a great weekend. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.